Welcome to my podcast, Musings of a Christian Philosopher, where we talk about deep and often challenging topics of theology and philosophy. I'm your host, Adam Polstra. Let's get started. Good day, everybody. Today I have a very interesting question on my mind. The question is close to what is truth, but it's not exactly what is truth, as in what would be the statement of the truth or something like that. It's more like, what is the form of the truth? Another way of putting that would be, what best exemplifies what the truth actually is? And I can see two clear options for this. One is a set of ideas is the truth. And another is a person or persons can be true or the truth. And the reason why this question is important to me is that as a Christian, it really makes the difference between whether or not one needs God or not to get to the truth at all. Because, of course, if the truth is merely a set of ideas and statements and arguments at both its beginning and its end, then clearly we we wouldn't necessarily need God. We simply need to extrapolate the truth. We need to get it out of reality, so to speak, to the point at which we can simply say what it is, universal ethics or something like that and then we can get on on our own and we don't really need god in order to not just live right but to tap into what you might call the core the essence of reality but if truth is a person then god has a point or shall we say the bible has a point when It talks about God being the embodiment of the truth. God is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Then, clearly, that would be accurate. But I'm not just trying to go straight from the Bible. I'm trying to actually ask the question, what is the better embodiment of the truth? And I've talked in the past about doing a Steelman argument. It's pretty obvious, me being a Christian, which side of this argument I would go on. But I would rather first steal, man, the answer, the truth is a set of arguments, or at least to the best of my ability. I might have to give this some more thought, but my point here is simply to try to bring up this, to me, very interesting question. So first of all, let's explore what if the truth is a set of arguments. And I can pretty quickly see a few areas in which this idea has a lot of backdrop. For example, when we started heading into the industrial, agricultural, and the industrial revolutions in the UK and the US um, consecutively, what largely brought us to this point, and not brought us through that, and not just those things, but a number of other advancements, such as medical advancements, technological advancements, So many of the conveniences as well as greater civility, if you will, the absence of slavery that we have today has largely been built on sound arguments. Now, of course, you could go back and say, but many of those arguments, most of the roots of those arguments are found in the the Judeo-Christian framework. And yes, that's quite right, but that doesn't answer the question. It begs the question. Can truth simply be accessed through a series of arguments? And if we're talking about slavery, we have the Emancipation Proclamation, we have all the arguments that were done in 
the Parliament of the UK, etc., uh, etc., et that gradually guided humanity towards rejecting the general societal acceptance of slavery. Um, and of course, that basically, if you look at it, uh, as far as I understand it, the abolition of slavery goes hand in hand with the starting of the agricultural as well as industrial revolutions. What I'm not, I'm not saying that one led simply to the other, one, two, but it paved the way. Even though, as, if I remember correctly, they happened somewhat coincidingly, but anyways, I need to do more research on it. But the industrial and agricultural revolutions largely came through the ideas that were in men and women's heads. We came up with the ideas for various kinds of technologies. We invented ideas that have led to science and the, or sorry, not just science, but the advancements of science that have led us to the technologies that we have today. Advanced ways of harvesting food, advanced ways of healing bodies, and so on. If we did not have those things, the level of human prosperity and in some senses the level of good in the world could not be where it is today. We simply wouldn't have it. And science itself, the studying and measuring of reality and being able to put in argument form what is actually there. The ability to math out things like the relative size of the universe or the mass of Earth or the size of a molecule of water, how much weight it has. I'm not, I can't really go into many, a great deal of examples here, but the point is if we hadn't found a way to essentially argue what the universe is like, put it into communicable terms, there's a great deal that we would not have that we now have. And many of these advancements that we do have, arguably, have extended and increased human prosperity and the good of human life in general. You could even go to the Bible and see how much of what Jesus did was argue. Much of what he did was show that there were arguments that can be made to show the truth. Now, yeah, we could, we could start subbing in, or bringing in that Jesus said that he is also himself the truth, but that is not the point that I'm making in this argument. That's for the next one. Jesus argued for the truth. He led people towards the truth in large part through argumentation, through ideas. And much of what he preached is still preached to this day. In fact, all of it, all of it is preached to, still to this day. And those arguments guide people towards the truth. So... That, to me, argues fairly well, and I can probably come up with better arguments if I give it more thought, that truth is, truth is exemplified in the form of arguments, of ideas. This is something that has led to a great deal of not exactly the rejection of God outright, but the rejection of God is necessary. 
Because God himself, Jesus himself, gives us arguments. And if we simply take the arguments and leave out the God, then do we not have all that we need? And that seems on face value to be a much more cohesive or simplified Occam's razor sort of explanation as to what truth really looks like. Why should we need a person to be the truth? Why is that why would that be necessary in order to grasp what the truth is? So hopefully I've made a decent argument for the truth being an idea because I very much honor the idea of steel manning one's opponent's arguments. And I'm not setting this up as an argument that, say, opponents of Christianity but still proponents of morality might make, but it's one that certainly occurs to me as a sticking point for the necessity or non-necessity of God. So let's turn to the argument of the truth is exemplified in a person. Now, first of all, of course, we have the argument for that, which is that God is the truth. And if he was not, then, of course, there would be no particular reason to believe that what he says and what he shares is anything but the truth. If Jesus had indeed come from heaven and from the truth, God the Father himself, then most of, much of what he said would be flatly contradictory, because that is exactly what Jesus claimed. He claimed not just to be telling the truth because he was so wise or a prophet or something like that. But a number of times, if you read the text, he specifically points out that he is simply telling of what he has seen and heard himself. He's talking about the places from whence he comes. And he's talking about the father from whom he has, he has come. So he's not just speaking arguments, he's speaking from experience. He's speaking from having been in the presence of and being one with the person of the truth that is God. But let's go a little bit further than that or further down the line. If we are to understand truth, even in the sense of the arguments that we can make about reality, about morality and ethics, do we or do we not first need something that is true? That is something to study, which is itself true or someone. For example, would we be able to make arguments of, about the truth in the sense of logic and rationality and evidence without things to measure? If we didn't have a car or a train that is capable of going so many miles per hour, would we really have any way to distinguish what a mile per hour is? If we didn't have actual physical reality that we can split up into units of miles and feet and inches, would we have any way to argue what a mile, a foot, or an inch is? See, we need a reality to measure. We need something which is itself consistent. We need something that if you measure a foot over here and a foot over there, it is the same foot. They are one and the same, but they may be different physical objects. 
but we need the physical objects. If we didn't have them, we would have no reason to measure anything. But let's go a little further than that. When we're talking about truth claims in a deeper sense, such as good, such as yeah, what is good or what is wisdom? Is it enough to simply try to extrapolate the idea, not exactly out of thin air, but out of argumentation in other areas? Personally, I've heard and you've heard in previous podcasts me talk about what is the definition of wisdom and what is the definition of good. And philosophers and thinkers that try to simply extrapolate it out of other arguments in similar areas don't really get very far, in my opinion. All we really end up with is gobbledygook or a, an argument, a definition that is so incredibly long that it's almost impossible for anybody to remember or appreciate. However, if you turn to those about whom it is said they are good, they are wise, searching for an explanation becomes a great deal easier. See, I can certainly understand somebody wielding the ideas of perfection or wisdom, not as an, a guide towards the truth and towards goodness, but as a cudgel to try to beat people down. One of my own teachers makes this very argument, and I agree with him as far as this goes. If a parent, for example, is insisting that their child be perfect, then any time any flaw is found in their chores or in their words or in their schoolwork, they can be reamed, they can be insulted, they can be put down with justification in the mind of the parent because they didn't do perfectly. They didn't get an A+. Or when it comes to wisdom, that being a word that is very difficult to define, that makes it an incredible tool for very intelligent people to use to misguide others. If you give it a definition that very subtly but very directly serves your personal interests, then you can define it in a very convincing sounding way that works to your advantage. Perhaps you turn wisdom to be defined as something that serves your particular Christian denomination. You define wisdom in such a way that it fits very conveniently in your own particular orthodoxy. If people already believe you because they follow the same denomination or something like that, then they're very likely to take the bait. And then they're going to believe in you even more. But as I said earlier, it becomes a lot easier if you look towards those about whom it is said they are wise, they are good, they are perfect. You can find the definition a lot faster, in my opinion, that way. I'll use an example. The question of what is wisdom? Okay, who is it about whom we say they are wise? You could say that certainly about Jesus. You could say that about Solomon, at least for a lot of his life. You could say that about a number of the characters in the Bible. And I've talked about this before, so I'm just using it again here. What do we find fairly quickly is the definition of wisdom if you look hard at these individuals, at these characters. What they did that others around them failed to do to a large extent was fit very comfortably and very precisely in reality as such. They followed 
some sort of code, some sort of pattern, some sort of realness that others missed. In other words, they lived consistently with the truth. Or you could say they lived in parallel with the truth. To me, that is an excellent definition of what wisdom actually is. If you want to know what is perfect, well, if God is the example and the paragon of perfection, then all you really need to do is look at how he behaves. Now, I'm not saying that I can make a simple definition of what perfection is because of that. That's a little bit more difficult when it comes to that word. But if we want a good guide, we look to the one about whom it is said he is perfect. Now, if you believe that there is no one who is perfect, then you might as well leave off perfection as a word altogether. But if you do believe that God is perfect, then you have a paragon. You may not be able to put it into a definition. At least I think that would be incredibly difficult. But you at least have a guide. You at least have a signpost, so to speak. But you need the person. But let me get into the nitty-gritty a little bit here. When we're talking about just any average Joe or Joel, if you will, if you're just talking about some individual person, can an individual exemplify the truth? And I don't mean be the truth, but exemplify the truth in a way that goes beyond an argument and beyond something that is merely measurable in things like pounds or feet. And I would argue, in fact, I've argued in, a, in my own book that this is precisely the case. What do I mean by that? A person can believe truth claims that are consistent with reality. In other words, they might not be living consistently with reality. In other words, they may not be on that level of wisdom, but they might at least accept those claims to be true. So then their minds, and hopefully most of what they would claim, would be accurate, would be true, would be rational, would be reasonable. But they can also live consistently with themselves in the sense of personality or day-to-day -day interactions. The sort of thing that we generally refer to as integrity. But integrity simply means living in a consistent way or living in a way that is true to oneself or to one's general behavior. That means that a person can live truly. If a, if a person does one thing one day or says one thing one day and then the next day does something that directly contradicts, then we would call them someone without integrity. We would call them duplicitous. We would call them hypocritical. And we certainly would not believe that they are living in consistency with the truth. Now, even further than that, a human being can live consistently with a deeper sort of truth. And this, of course, is dipping into what I was just saying wisdom is. They can live in parallel with the truth itself. They can live consistently with the arguments for the truth, yes, but they can also live consistently with he who is perfection, he who is the truth, if you believe in this, God. If they are living in parallel with him, 
then such an individual is exemplifying truth at a far deeper level and they are showing the world around them what the truth looks like. Again, not assuming that just some average Joe or Joel can be the truth in the full sense, but they can mirror it, they can reflect it to the world. Now, this is getting deeper into the mire, if you will, or the roots of this question. Is the truth a statement of values or arguments, or is it a person? What is necessary in the minds of most, if not all, listeners any time someone comes up and claims to know the truth? Anybody worth half their salt is going to not ask the question whether or not their arguments are consistent with reality. They're going to ask, how does the person live? Because, of course, if an individual does not live in consistency with their stated arguments, then you call them, what? Again, a hypocrite. You do not consider their arguments to be of merit if their lifestyle is not consistent with it. In other words, they have to be living it themselves. They have to personify the truth they claim. And then you as the listener, you as the observer, get the advantage of seeing whether or not their truth claims work in reality. See, in both the idea of truth as a claim or an argument or truth as lived or as exemplified in a human life can certainly go very far astray. And this is where we get a perfect, or not a perfect test, but a very good test. If you want to look at whether or not Jesus was really claiming the truth, you look at the results of how he lived. And the results of how he lived is an entire movement that has swept the entire planet pole to pole, a movement that inspired the first apostles and disciples to go to their very graves, go to torture and death, to preach, not just, again, what Jesus said. That was, in fact, a minor point, but what Jesus did. He died on the cross for the sins of the world, the gospel. That is what the apostles preached. Did they preach his arguments and his values, his ethics and morals? Yes, but that was not the gospel. That was what came along with the gospel. They preached what Jesus did, how he lived, and what that meant for us. They were not spreading mere arguments. They were trying to spread a life. And that was the truth to them. And again, that has, that has started a movement that has swept the entire planet called Christianity. You can, of course, go strongly in the wrong direction with this. In modern day, we have statements like my truth and your truth. And we have people believing a number of very amazing, in some ways, and uh, rather disconcerting truth claims. And nevertheless, to their respectability to a point, I suppose, they do in many cases try to live it out in consistency with their truth claims. 
one truth claim is there's no such thing as male or female or something akin to that or there's no problem with men being attracted to men women being attracted to women but if we're talking about the transgender community they essentially want to convince others that there is no such thing as an objective male and female it's all just a cultural construct and not only do they argue it but they are willing to go through surgery they are willing to go through massive personal and lifestyle changes to show the quote truth of their claims and again to their credit they at least put some credence behind their arguments in the fact that they do exemplify it they become a personification of their truth claims but of course then that's where we have this very useful test to conduct do their lived out truth claims actually result in human prosperity and human betterment in innocence or virtue or integrity or goodness and while some of these people may indeed be very good in and of themselves that is they may be kind they may be gentle they may be they may have some integrity well they certainly do not help in human flourishing when it comes to generating offspring they don't help human population they don't really help in keeping consistency in human living societally in general why because they keep breaking down the idea of male and female in general which again leads to the reduction of reproduction but more than that it leads to a great deal of confusion we have people who are born a particular gender who now are unsure about whether or not they're male or female and they might be something else and maybe they need to go through painful surgery in order to show the world that they're not really what they were born to be as if this was all so important in the first place anyways i'm not trying i'm not going to go forward into making all of these arguments but what i am pointing out is that if you want to find out whether or not a person's truth claims are real just look for the person who is not a hypocrite about it look for the person who actually lives it out and begin asking the question does this lead to human prosperity does this lead to human betterment and i'm not saying does it lead i'm not arguing does it lead to less human suffering because of course if that was the case i couldn't be a christian the christian truths have led to a great deal of human suffering particularly by the believers or in the lives of the believers but the better test of truth is not a claim people can do all kinds of shenanigans with mere claims people people can convince you to believe that the sky is not blue people can convince you to believe that nobody can have any grasp of truth in their minds in ideas they can essentially convince you of agnosticism mental agnosticism through argument if that's all that you believe that you need to access i don't know rationality is mere arguments then mere arguments can also be used to lead you completely astray but if you look for the people who one claim a certain truth 
and then two, live it, then all you have to do is look at the results of their lives. We care a great deal whether or not a person who claims to have the truth is a hypocrite or not. And if they are not, then you at least they at least deserve the respect of that consistency. But then you have a chance to see whether or not that truth holds up. And if that is a greater test of truth, then truth has to be exemplified more in a person than in an argument. Anyways, that's just what's been on my mind so far, and I'm sure I could make a better argument for it, but that's where I'm at so far, and I just wanted to share it with you all. So that's all for today. Have a good one.